0: everyone welcome back welcome to crime Colts and coffee i'm kelsey and i'm bryn so we have to start off today's episode with the story about something that happened at work that literally scared the shit out of me okay go ahead okay so it was just me and my one co-worker we were just you know it was a pretty slow day nobody else was there and she had told me that the past weekend that she went on this like haunted like ghost tour in Connecticut she's been like really looking forward to it she said it was really fun can we go yeah (laughs) okay I know she said it was like a really fun time but so she goes and I was like asking her about it and she's like it was good they like taught us grounding techniques Mm -hmm. and like all this stuff and I was like oh cool wait did they teach them these techniques before they were in the place Yeah. outside of the She place. said okay. before they went into like any of these places they would say like imagine the white lights surrounding you and just so like no- nothing followed yeah. them home. <laughs> okay. So we've always said that actually this office is like a little haunted. Because, Where you were. Yeah because we hear like things during the day and like there's other people in the office building at the same time like there's a dentist there's a PCP upstairs but it's like when there's nobody there, like, everybody has gone for the day because we stay open, open till 9 p.m., mm-hmm. we hear things. Ooh. So, it was just me and her yesterday, and all of a sudden, it literally sounded like... It was, like, a drop ceiling. It sounded like one of the panels from the drop ceiling fell onto the ground. Oh it my was God. so loud, and it was, like, right behind a portion of, like, the wall that we sit behind. So, there's, like, no other office back there. Like, it was just... I don't know. It was weird. So, and then we heard footsteps running after it fell. So, Alyssa's like, oh, my God. Like, I think it it may have been, like, crutches or, like, something. So, naturally, I grabbed my taser because (laughs) I do not like scary things, and I don't like working in the office at at night, you know?
1: And, you know, if there's a ghost around, just tase the fuck out of it. Right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I really, yeah. I heard that ghosts hate tasers. But
1: would you, like, just spin in circles? Yeah. Unless you actually could see. Probably, the ghost would probably laugh
0: at me. <laughs> but, yeah, so I grabbed my taser, and I literally expected there to be a person, like, crouched in the back. Like, where we keep our medication, like, hiding. Like, Which,
1: I'm sorry, is even more terrifying than a is. spirit being in the building. It
0: is. But, like, we were both fucking terrified. We're like, somebody has to go back there. Like, there's no exit from that way. So, mm-hmm. like, there's somebody back there we need to go. So, I have my taser on... I like did a little zap, On full blast. I did a little zap to like <laughs> scare anybody if they we were back there. <laughs> and we go back. Everything is perfectly in its place. Not one thing has fallen. And like when I tell you, it sounded like literally part of the ceiling fell. And then running.
1: What the hell? I, I don't know what it was.
0: I have no idea. But we were terrified and looking for the probably the next three hours until we left for something to have fallen. There was nothing.
1: It was a spirit from the place she went to. She
0: was like, I wonder if I brought something else. <laughs> Shut up. Don't say anything. <laughs> Do not even speak that into existence because I'm not bringing anything home. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, if something did come back with her, it, it could either good. be, yeah, it could be something good that just, like, wanted to attach for a little while and then will eventually leave, but... Maybe not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. I don't... I'm good. Did she
1: say anything about the spirits that that were in the place she was at? She
0: said that they mentioned that there was a little girl there, and she was like, what if I brought the little girl home? I was like, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Did the little girl have any, like... Did anything
1: happen to her with her stomach?
0: I don't know. I have to ask her why do you feel like there was. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, I hope she's listening. I
1: feel like either there was something with her stomach... Or, oh God.
0: I'm gonna scare the
1: shit out of you right now, um, sometimes, like, demons are known to present themselves as children, no. and if it is a demon, they can make you feel like, or an entity, it can make you Nauseous. feel, like, sick to your stomach, nope. so it might be one of those two things. Nope. Let's hope, well, no, I don't hope it's a little child that had something wrong with their stomach, but.
0: It would be better than a demon, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's neither. And that I just have
1: like really, like when I, with, with part of my gift, I haven't really explained my gift on the podcast, but mm-hmm, not much. With part of my gift, actually, it'll relate. Everyone would have heard Laura's episode by now. Yeah, guys. Holy <laughs>
0: shit, right?
1: <laughs> that was so a, good. Like, incredible roller coaster ride.
0: It was so much fun to record with her too. Yeah,
1: seriously, I can't wait to do it again because Same. there will be more. Woohoo! But, um,. Yeah, my gift is kind of similar to hers in some ways, different in others. Yeah. But I do also I am an empath as well and I pick up on feeling and I I pick up a lot on like if some like if something happened with their stomach or like my neck yeah. will start to You've hurt, like before, stuff like right? that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh. Or I'll I'll have chest pains or I'll have trouble breathing. Like I relate A lot body wise, like that. So crazy.
0: Yeah. Now I need to know if this little girl had a stomach problem or if it was a demon. because it was or, fucking scary or if i'm just having like really bad stomach pains right? myself right now <laughs> yeah. but then i was no, like no it
1: started when you said that so
0: yeah it's probably i don't i don't even want to know yeah but then i'm like oh there's a mouse trap, and then i'm like thinking in my head like no that was a much bigger sound than a mousetrap like i was trying to make something sound like logical yeah there's
1: no way and a mousetrap wouldn't go running after
0: no it was <laughs> people's footsteps <laughs> it was scary that is terrifying yeah no thanks I was like, can we go home?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, besides that, I I don't really have anything to say except I've been listening to some new podcasts. Yeah, talk about them. And I love, I love, all I do at work is listen to podcasts, so once I'm caught up on, like, the big ones that Mm -hmm. I've been listening to since forever. Yeah. I try to find new little ones to start or Mm -hmm. short series and stuff to start. So, I recently started Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan. And it's a podcast from the Obsessed Network, which is the network that um, the hosts from True Crime Obsessed started. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I love them. I do too. (laughs) I love Jillian and Patrick. They're so cool. Yeah, so, but Strange and Unexplained is really cool. There's some... uh, strange and unexplained and unexplained things. stuff on there
0: <laughs> and then wow, I, I told know. you
1: <laughs> that i told you recently <laughs> about anatomy of murder yeah that which one was really good. i love and i believe that one is an audio chuck which
0: is mm. crime junkies okay yeah, I have a hard time catching up on podcasts cuz I don't listen at work. I listen mainly when I'm at the gym or when I'm driving. Yeah. But I did listen to that one at the gym the other day and I was like audibly like saying things, Anatomy of Murder. Yeah, out loud on the treadmill it. and there was definitely people staring at me <laughs> cuz we don't have the masks anymore. At I'm the gym.
1: obsessed because the one host in Anatomy of Murder was a prosecutor. Yeah. And she's, like, the co-host of, or the host of an ID channel show. Yeah. And then the other one, I believe, was a detective. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, yeah, they're both, like, so knowledgeable about. They explain everything. Yeah. uh, And especially about, like, details or how people would react on a crime scene. Or, or, legal sides of things. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Me too. And then I also, not to keep going with it but there was one more i was listening to called the devil within and that mm. actually takes place in new jersey that's scary so we might have to cover that at some point and it's it's cray cray and the the host of it is from new jersey really yeah he's from that town
0: i love when people dive deep into like one case and make it a series mm-hmm. it's super interesting and like i like how it leaves you like on cliffhangers like that i don't know i like series like that for podcasts. Like Counter Clock you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 I just started Counter Clock and it is really, really good. That's another audio check. Y- is it? Thing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That one's really good. And then, sorry, just so many recommendations. <laughs> paper Ghosts. Yes. Really that's coming out with season good. two or
1: just came out with season two. I
0: was addicted to Paper Ghosts for a long time. Yeah.
1: Same. He has like a great speaking voice. His voice is
0: very soothing. Yeah. Again, I love yeah. it. Scary. Yes. <laughs> Are you wanna talk about our coffee? Yes, let's get into it. So you start since
1: uh, the recommendation
0: kind of went to you. Yeah, so this coffee place that we are reviewing today is called Black and Brass Coffee Roasting Company. So I originally heard of them. I went to go visit our friends Jesse and Kirsten and they Kirsten made me coffee in the morning and it was probably one of the best. Like, she made me a latte, like with espresso. Mm -hmm. It was one of the best lattes I've ever had, like, you know, doing it at home, like with an espresso machine. It was so good. So I was like, where is this? She's like, oh, we just went there. You have to go check it out. The inside's really cool. So we ended up reaching out to them and they sent us some coffee Mm, and other goods. Yeah. They sent us a lot of stuff, actually. Do you want to talk about what they sent?
1: Yeah. So they sent us a face mask. They sent us coffee, they sent us a sticker,
0: and chocolate. The chocolate we're eating today, and it's fucking good. It is, okay, I'm rating the chocolate 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 coffee bean chocolates. Yeah,
1: let's, okay, <laughs> so the chocolate, it says, it's salted caramel
0: coffee bar. And, like, so, I expect expected that to be, like, cream, like, actual caramel inside but it's not and it's better
1: when it said coffee bar part of me was like oh my god were we supposed to melt this down like into a coffee and we're just chopping <laughs> <it> on chocolate
0: <laughs> we're gonna die of like palpitations
1: <laughs> but i could taste right away in the chocolate now we're reviewing the chocolate bar yes um the sea salt Mhm. automatically it's like chunks of it but in a good way yeah and it's dark chocolate but it's not too bittersweet and i love dark chocolate but it is probably some of the best dark chocolate I've ever had in my life. It
0: is. I don't know how they got the caramel in there, but, like, because it's not, like I said, like, actual, like, you bite into it and it's caramel, but the flavor is there, and it's yeah. really good.
1: And it says there's black and brass French roasted coffee
0: in it as an ingredient. I love it. I'm obsessed. It's really good. Okay, on to the coffee. Yes. Well, actually, let me just give the address real quick in case anyone wants to go see them. So their address is 520 Main Street, And they have another one at 101 Grandview Ave in Honesdale, PA. So go check them out. I'm looking at pictures right now of the inside, and it is really, really cute. There's, like, exposed brick on the inside, and oh. that's part of the thing that Kirsten loved the most. She's like, the inside was just so cute and I inviting. Love, I love even
1: their exterior. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's adorable. You guys have to look at pictures so you know yeah. what we're talking about. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed. As we sit here and swoon. They have a little waterfall. Oh, my gosh. Ah, oh, I love it. I'm obsessed. So, today's coffee that we're reviewing from them, and you will
0: be hearing more from them. Yeah, they gave us a bunch of samples.
1: Is the Darling Dark. And it's chocolate, smoke, decadence. Hell yeah, decadence <laughs> is
0: a great descriptive word. <laughs> it is decadent. It is. <laughs> it's really good. How would you rate this? Or let's talk about how it tastes first.
1: Yeah. So, to me, it's a very smooth coffee. Even though it's a dark blend, I feel like it is so drinkable. Like, I'm not, it's not too much for me. Yeah. And I definitely taste the chocolate chocolatey flavor or tone of it notes of it yeah I agree
0: um I absolutely love it I like the sweetness of it with the chocolate it's see it is a dark roast but it's not bitter yeah like I said, So yeah. I, I like this one a lot
1: I think the best way I would describe it is dark chocolate in
0: coffee form yeah literally Like, it tastes like it kind of melted down a dark chocolate bar. (laughs) Yeah, maybe what we were supposed to do with the chocolate is how they made this coffee. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) I'm going to read a little blurb from there about me on their website, which, by the way, is blackandbrasscoffee.com. So, it says, at Black and Brass Coffee Roasting Company, a good cup of coffee takes quality and attention to detail. It takes passion... Tenacity, consistency, and relentless desire to create the perfect cup to be the best. Mm. I love that. And it also says, it is our honor to serve our community. It is our daily mission to create comfortable beacon of conversation, culture, and creativity. A resting place to socialize and cultivate joy. Black and brass is an exponentially growing business because of our incessant desire to create value to those we love, our team, our customers. We are a part of something larger than ourselves, a community of culture and creativity. Be a part of our community. Mm -hmm. I love it. And that honestly, that little paragraph there was a great descriptor of, I feel like, the atmosphere of their story. Like summing it up. Yeah.
1: I hope the mic's not picking up me chomping (laughs) my chocolate.
0: (laughs) But it's so good. Yeah, they actually roast their beans at their coffee shops every day. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. The chocolate is really fucking good, though. You guys mm-hmm. have to try that. So i give the give this coffee today, which, again, is Darling Dark. Mm-hmm. I would give this one an 8. I concur. I concur. <laughs> uh, looking at
1: their site, I also want to just point out some other flavors, or not flavors, notes mm-hmm. that I'm seeing and blends that I'm seeing on their website. There is a highland rise which says chocolate notes with light nutty flavor which sounds delicious there is a sumatra sunset which is a smoky cedar and light earthy body which sounds interesting
0: i think we have a few of these
1: honey bourbon has hints of licorice and nectar and it creates a unique and balanced class of coffee
0: I just love their descriptions too. I know it's so
1: elegant it and is.
0: decadent. Decadent. <laughs> they have a Facebook and Instagram and a Twitter in addition to their website. So go check all of those out.
1: Yeah, on Instagram you can find them at Black and Brass
0: Coffee. Yes, thank you, Black and Brass Coffee. You will be hearing about them again, as we said. But we really appreciate your generosity in sending us so much stuff. Yeah, much appreciated. And we can't wait to add you to our coffee tour. That one is actually pretty close. I feel like we can make that like a like a weekend, almost like driving to Pittsburgh. Mm,
1: maybe we know? can do like all the close ones in a row, kind yeah. of like a little weekend. Doop
0: yeah. doop doop. Just like set out like a little map of all the ones.
1: Yeah, and I'll make sure to um not eat breakfast that day, so I can just eat a bunch of their chocolate in myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of their chocolate, some pastries from another mm, place. Oh some. god!
1: Oh a past uh a croissant from one place and add their chocolate in the middle of it. Oh, my God. Ugh,
0: this heaven. coffee tour is going to be great. Let us know if you want to join. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're just going to have, like, a parade of cars following
0: us on a coffee tour. Oh, my God. We'll have, like, flags.
1: They're like, we don't give a fuck about Kelsey and Brand. We want the coffee. We just want the coffee. <laughs> Thank you
0: for the recommendation. All right. But let's get answer. into it.
1: So grab, grab your, your coffee and, coffee and have, have a morning, morning with, with us. us. So today's case was technically suggested by laura our medium <laughs> and as promised in last week's episode or two weeks ago yeah. depending on yeah when you listened, um we were going to cover this case because she's connected to it
0: yeah <laughs> i was literally shook when she said that yeah
1: completely I, mind
0: blown i had chills all over my body
1: i know that was insane yeah So, there is a trigger warning for this case. This case contains graphic details and rape. So, if you're going to be triggered by either of those, maybe you want to hold off till next week. Yep. We are going to be talking about the Boston Strangler. (laughs) Kelsey's dun-dun-dun made me laugh.
0: (laughs) Not the Boston Strangler. Not the Boston
1: Strangler. So, we're going to be talking about the Boston Strangler, and I'm going to talk about a little bit of background on the name before we get into it. So, initially, the crimes in this case were assumed to be the work of one person that they called, quote, the Mad Strangler of Boston. <laughs> so, it was, like, the
0: fancier version. Right. I just, these, the names crack me up sometimes.
1: Yeah. And don't you wonder how, like, one finally sticks? Sticks, yeah. It's strange. Out of, like,
0: all of the news articles? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, July 8th in the 1960s, there was an edition of the Sunday Herald, a.k.a. the Boston Herald, and it featured the headline, quote, A Mad Strangler is Loose in Boston, in an article titled, Mad Strangler Kills Four Women in Boston. And we got that from Wikipedia. Mm. He was also known as the Phantom Fiend. That one should have
0: stuck. I'm sorry, but that one was pretty good
1: wait have you ever seen that <laughs> meme where it's like why are we giving these people all these cool yes. names
0: they should be called like small little dick penis or whatever something. <laughs> I think somebody sent that was it you that sent it to me probably that's like one of my favorite memes yeah it's like why are we giving these people names like the Boston Strangler where they sound like, cool why can't dick they rapist? be like <laughs> <laughs> why can't they be like little penis yeah. <laughs> we
1: so, should start that for real though so, yeah, he was also known as the Phantom Fiend or Phantom Strangler, and also referred to as the Silk Stocking Murders. So, we do mention that a couple times yeah. throughout the case. In 1963, two investigative reporters named Gene Cole and Loretta McLaughlin were, uh, worked for the Record American. They wrote a four-part series about the killer. They called him the Boston Strangler, and then that name stuck.
0: Yeah. We really got to work on making fun of these people.
1: <laughs> for real, though.
0: <laughs> or just, like, fucking ripping them to shreds. Right. Like, could you imagine them being in prison and be like, Hey, what's up, little dick? <laughs> <laughs> dude?" You would get so much shit for it. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the murders. Between June 14th of 1962 and January 4th of 1964... There was 13 women that were murdered in Boston, Massachusetts area. And we'll talk about, um, sometimes it's referred to as 11, 11 women, sometimes it's referred to as 13, and we'll talk about later why there's a difference in the numbers. hmm They were all single women, and the age ranged from 19 to 85 years old. Which is fucking strange. That really, like, hurts my soul, yeah. seeing that. Yeah, yeah. One article said most were sexually assaulted and strangled in their apartments. Another article said, quote, In every case, the victims had been raped, sometimes with foreign objects, and their bodies laid out nude as if on display for a pornographic snapshot. Death was always due to strangulation, though the killer sometimes also used a knife. The ligature, a stocking, pillowcase, whatever, was inevitably left around the victim's neck tied with an exaggerated ornamental bow. And that was a quote from Crime Museum.
1: That's disgusting that <sighs> this person did this horrific stuff to these women and then, like, left a big bow on it. Like, at the put end, like, on the display. Yeah, or, like, this is my gift, almost. Or, for whoever finds yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, the bow really... It's like making a mockery out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, for all of these murders, there was no signs of forced entry into the homes. Police assumed that the women let the intruder in, thought that they maybe knew them somehow, or that the assaultant could be some kind of maintenance worker, delivery man, serviceman, something like that. Which makes sense. if We'll talk about the murders, obviously, and exactly what everything was and what happened. But um, I also read somewhere that it was every single house that this person went to or apartment, it was staged to look like a robbery. Mm Hmm. But nothing was... I mean, some things were taken, but, like, a lot of high-valued things were left behind. So it was almost, like, trying to... Yeah,
1: so it was either, like, set up to look that way, or the stuff that was taken were technically considered... Souvenirs. Trophies.
0: Yeah. 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 After the first couple of murders, many Boston-area residents purchased tear gas and new locks and deadbolts for their doors, and some women actually moved out of the area because they were so scared
1: that's absolutely terrifying could you imagine
0: like being that scared to live where you are i couldn't
1: no and you would think though that if people were taking it that extreme like some people they would be looking out for their neighbors as well mm-hmm. and like keeping a watchful eye out like almost like a um crime stopper type th- you know what i mean right.
0: Like, just being aware like of Like, vigilant. Yeah. Although
1: we've talked about this in another case, maybe back then it wasn't as much so like that as it is now.
0: Right. I feel like it was a completely different time. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't things like this that happened often. Yeah. And for some reason, now it's pretty common and everybody's scared about everything, which is horrible.
1: Well, it is, it is like awful to think about but at the same time it's great that people are more vigilant with looking yep. out for other people. Yeah. I not agree. just themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: So now we're going to get into the victims which are the most important people of this entire story. Yes. Some of them we did find a little bit of background information on because we tried to do that in our podcast but some of them there we just di- sadly wasn't. we didn't and yeah. it was more so about what happened to them which is sad. Yeah. So the first victim was Anna Or Anna Elsa Legan Slessers, and she was 55 years old. A little bit about I'm gonna call her Anna. I don't, depending on pronunciation, it could be Anna or Anna. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna call her Anna. So, a little bit about Anna. She was a seamstress for a decorating firm on Canal Street. She went to church often, and she had a 23 year old son at the time named Juris. And a little bit about her murder. She was found June 14th, 1962. She was in her third-floor apartment at 77 Gainsborough Street, Fenway, Boston. Around 5.30 p.m., she was seen entering her apartment alone. And around 7.45 p.m., Juris, which again was her son, got there to take her to church for a memorial service for victims of the Russian invasion of Latvia. And he found his mother's body on the kitchen floor, which I I can't even imagine... What that poor man had to go through the rest of his life. I yeah, know. And she had on a robe that was ripped open. She was sexually assaulted with an unknown object, which makes me sick to my stomach. Ugh. She was strangled with the belt on her bathrobe, and it was said to be knotted around her neck in a big bow. It's disgusting. Yeah. The killer had first tried to strangle her with a man's belt, but the belt broke, and police speculated that a burglar a burglar accessed her apartment by scaffolding and that she walked in on the burglary so that was just like their initial speculation right obviously as we mentioned she was the first victim so um it was then determined that it was a quote-unquote botched burglary when her purse contents were left all over the floor including a gold watch and other jewelry like as kelsey mentioned yeah. there were things that were left on crime scenes that would They're have like, been taken why? yeah right and police questioned eight men at headquarters
0: with her case and all were released that's scary yeah little did they know what was to come mhm So Mary Mullen, who is 85 years old, is the next victim. There wasn't really anything about Mary, sadly, to talk about, about her personal life. So I'm going to talk about what happened with her murder. She was found on June 28th of 1962, which was three weeks after the first case. She was found in her apartment at 1435 Commonwealth Avenue, Boston. Her body was found on her sofa. Her death certificate said that Her cause of death was a heart attack. Police speculated that she was literally scared to death.
1: Yeah. And I had actually read that, before I forget, I wanted to include it later on, but then it kind of wouldn't have made sense. Mm -hmm. The person that they end up questioning later on down the road, he said at one point, he talked about Mary, and he said he, according to him, he literally didn't kill her and he went into the apartment and she she like collapsed oh my and god
0: i read that too
1: that she was scared to death <sighs> that actually breaks my heart yeah so that was kind of corroborated with his side of the story as well
0: wow. with the heart attack that's really sad yeah so the next victim is nina francis nichols who is 68 years old um, and a little bit about Nina. She was a physiotherapist uh, and about her murder. She was found on June 30th, 1962, which was two days later. She was in her apartment at 1940 Commonwealth Ave in Boston. That afternoon, Chester Steadman, who was president of the Boston Bar, called Nina and there was no answer. So she was actually his sister-in-law. So he was calling to check on her and there was no answer. Mm-mm. He then alerted the superintendent of the building, obviously worried, and around 7.30 p.m., her body was found on her bedroom floor. She was wearing a, plink, a pink flannel robe, torn from her waist down. Two nylon stockings were tied tightly around her neck. She was sexually assaulted with a wine bottle. Oh, my God. <sighs> and again, police found no evidence of forced entry. My
1: heart is breaking for all of these women. That is so beyond disturbing that's horrific like that actually hurts my heart to think of that's actually horrific how a fucking human can do that to another human being blows my mind i
0: just hope for her case that she i don't i don't want to say this but like after the fact yeah it was after she had already passed because i can't (sighs) even imagine going through that honestly i doubt it i know So, the next victim is Helen Elizabeth Blake, who is 65 years old. A little bit about Helen. She was a nurse, and she was found on June 30th, 1962, which was the same day as Nina. So, now this killer's getting cocky. So,
1: escalation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was found in her apartment at 73 New Hall Street in Lynn, Massachusetts. Her body was found face down on her bed. She was wearing flannel pajamas, and the bottoms were on the floor. She had been sexually assaulted. A nylon stocking and bra were tied around her neck.
1: So, again, escalation because he's kind of, like, adding more things
0: to it. Right, like, he's getting comfortable and he feels like he's getting cocky.
1: Yeah, and possibly testing the waters with, like, oh, do I want to do it this way? A new MO. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, reporters began writing stories about the murders, such as, quote, another silk stocking murder... Two women slain the same day and, quote, a massive hunt is underway for the mad triple killer. And that was a quote from the Boston Globe. So, Helen's downstairs neighbor may have actually heard the attack happen. The woman heard furniture being moved upstairs and just thought that Helen was cleaning.
1: That is so fucking sad. Could you
0: imagine, like, looking back and being like, oh my god, I heard what was happening to her and I assumed it was her vacuum cleaner. (sighs) Ugh. Like there's no other way. There's I'm not blaming her at all. Her no, neighbor. Like no. I wouldn't think anything else either. But that's horrible to think Th- about. That
1: has to be very hard to like. Yeah. Deal with you yeah know?
0: after the fact.
1: Yeah. So police realize they have a cer- <laughs> cereal, <laughs> <auto-corrected> <laughs> to cereal, cereal It's a serial like the
0: cereal you oh eat. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> cereal
0: killer. I'm just pict- picturing Cheerios like holding a knife. <laughs>
1: You know, there's actually a restaurant, or, yeah, there's a restaurant called Cereal Killer. Really? Yeah, and it's,
0: like, all different kinds of cereals. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so funny. Those motherfucking cinnamon toast crunches. (laughs) (laughs) He
1: was going fucking ham on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup cereal. Reese's (laughs) Cups. God. Oh, my God. If only he was just strangling strangling the cereal boxes right Right. for real though so police realized they have a serial killer and all hands were on deck to find this person they started to warn women to lock their doors and to be cautious and the profiling at this time said that they were looking for a psychopath whose hatred for older women may be linked to the relationship he had with his mother which would make sense i guess in a way until we get further down though and then that doesn't Doesn't really make sense sense. yeah Yeah. so the next person that was that had crossed paths with this monster was ida odes erga and we couldn't really find anything about ida sadly yeah so i'm going to talk a little bit about what happened to her she was found on saturday august 19th 1962 she was found in her Beacon Hill apartment on Seven Grove Street in Boston. She lived in this apartment for fifteen years. So that, Ugh. that is just so awful because that's like her safe
0: space, such a sense of security. Yeah, and then ha- having to have like this happen. Yeah,
1: I mean, all of this, like all of these women, that was their safe space. Mm-hmm. But for this woman, woman to be
0: living in this apartment for fifteen years, she's probably like, this is never going to happen to me. Yeah, I know exactly. You know. Where poor, everything is, yeah. Poor thing.
1: So, Ida's family called her phone with no answer and began to get worried, and her cousin went to her fifth floor apartment and found her, which Ugh. again just has to be absolutely awful. She was found on her back with her pajamas ripped, and her legs were held apart by two chairs, which...
0: I can't even <sighs> imagine walking into that scene. No. Like, I can't. No. She
1: was strangled by a pillowcase and sexually assaulted. Ugh. The next victim was Jane Buckley Sullivan. She was 67. A little bit about Jane. She was a night nurse at Longwood Hospital. Which is the second nurse. Yeah. I wonder if that was intentional or... Or
0: just... Yeah, like if this person
1: observed that about them. Right. Or if it just was coincidence. coincidence. yeah. She was found on August 21st, 1962. This was less than 24 hours after Ida. So again the escalation's just there yeah the newspaper at this time said quote the deranged killer who has brought chilling terror to the time of every boston woman who lives alone jane was found in her home on 400 400- 435 columbia road in dorchester i don't know boston i know pronounces things differently i would say dorchester but yeah. i think it's dorchester oh really they I have Boston friends who pronounce things very differently. Really? So, Amy, if you're listening, let me know how. I, how I, say it. I think I don't know. I've always I thought
0: it was just Dorchester. Yeah,
1: or I don't or Dorchester shyster. I don't know shyster shyster. So, not making fun of my Boston friends. Dorchester, Boston. She was found face down in her bathtub and kneeling. With her head and forearms covered by water, which, again, is
0: just... These scenes are just so gruesome.
1: So disturbing. Like, the fact that he made her kneel in her bathtub.
0: Yeah. That's
1: so gross. And... God, it's just sickening to think about. I can't even think about it. Her robe was thrown up by her shoulders with her underwear around her ankles. And she had been dead for one week with cause of death being strangulation with two nylon stockings. Ugh. During this time, a psychiatrist drew a hypothetical picture of the strangler and said, quote, "He is physically small, a fact that nurtures a crippling inferiority complex. He's a psychotic sex pervert suffering from a most ma- malignant form of schizophrenia, and unless police get to him, he will kill again." That should have been his name. Psychotic sex
0: pervert.
1: (laughs) That should have been his name. It should have. The Boston Strangler is no more. (laughs) He's officially psychotic
0: sex pervert. Gross. Yeah. So, now we're on to the next victim, and her name was Sophia Clark, who was actually 20 years old. So, she's one of the younger victims. So, a little bit about Sophie. She worked in ho- as a hospital technician during the day and went to night classes at Carnegie Institute of Medical Technology on Beacon Hill. So, about her murder. She was found on Wednesday, December 5th, 1962, at 315 Huntington Avenue in Fenway, Boston. She was found by her roommate that was coming back home. She was actually found on her back with her legs spread apart. Ugh. Oh. She was wearing a garter belt, black stockings, and a blue floral robe, and a bra that was all ripped off. She was strangled by a stocking and a petticoat that were intertwined. On the carpet near her body, there were semen stains. It's fucking disgusting. This is just, like, so sickening to me. Like, all of it. I, I hate this man. Same. Because... Not
1: only did... I feel like not only did he do the most gruesome things to these women, he left them in such a vulnerable state. Like, even after their death. Yeah, that's like... Like, he was trying to shame
0: them. After they died. Yeah. yeah, For their family to find them. Yeah. The next victim was Patricia Jane Bullock-Bissett, and she was 23 years old. She worked as a receptionist at an engineering company in Kenmore Square, and she was one month pregnant at the time. Oh, God. That's really sad. She was found on December 31st, 1962, at 515 Park Drive in Fenway, Boston. Patricia returned to her alma mater, which was Middlebury College, where she had been an editor of the yearbook. She told a classmate that she was not afraid of the Boston Strangler. Oh my god, that just
1: gave me the chills. Like, oh my god.
0: And then this. Happens oh my god! To look her. at my arm.
1: I know. Like. Poor thing. I can't. E- like, how? How does that happen, though? How does that happen? Where someone says something like that, and then it happens. I wonder if it was almost like a premonition, but she was trying to like avoid it, like con- contradict it, or. I mean, you
0: know how some people speak out of fear yeah. and they're like, oh,
1: no, 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 I'm not. I mean,
0: I don't know. I feel like everybody in Boston at this time, especially, like, people living alone, women living alone, they Are were just all, they all knew about it. Yeah. And everybody brought it up constantly.
1: But for her to be like, I'm not afraid of him. Yeah. And I'd then, be like, I'm fucking
0: scared. Yeah, and then have her
1: life taken by him. Yeah. That's so sad.
0: So, she didn't show up for work, so her boss ended up calling the janitor of her building, and she was found in her bed. She was in a bra and a blue and red robe. A sheet and blanket were pulled to her neck and smoothed. Almost like... Which is, like, very odd. Yeah. Like, almost like for this one... He was like trying to, to cover, like, her, cover up. her up. Yeah, and like, it was almost like nurturing like, how it was smoothed yeah. out around her. Right, like almost like tucked into bed. Yeah, that's very she was odd. strangled with four items of clothing, knotted around her neck were a blouse, over that a nylon stocking, and then two stockings tied together. So strange. Yeah, that one was a little bit off from his other ones, yeah. but I don't know. I wonder if he found a soft spot for
1: her for some reason. Yeah. You know how I mean sometimes that happens with And then those
0: are usually the people psychotic that, like, people escape too. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the next person we're going to talk about is Mary Ann Brown. She was sixty nine years old. Again, we couldn't really find anything about Mary's personal life. She was found on March sixth, nineteen sixty three, in her apartment at three one nine Park Ave, Lawrence. And she was on the floor with a sheet covering her head. So, again, that's kind of, like, usually you see that in cases where people know someone. Like, they know the victim or they're shameful of the act they they did. they don't want
0: them to look at them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, again, is...
0: That's Uh.
1: strange. And it's, like, two in a row
0: that that's showing a different... Right. Maybe something happened in his personal life. I don't know. Yeah. So...
1: Although she had this sheet over her head, she had been raped, strangled, beaten on the head, and stabbed in her breasts with a kitchen fork. And the fork was left in her chest by the killer. Oh my god. Which I feel like completely contradicts the sheet over the head. I don't
0: know. It's almost like
1: if they were, if that one psychiatrist said that. Like, he profiled and said this person could be schizophrenic.
0: It's almost like two different sides of this person were out. Or they felt that maybe by doing these horrible things, they felt shame after and had to cover their head. Cover the face. Yeah, but it was only two of them so far. You know. And, I like, know. why
1: Why are you mutilating her breasts and then covering her face with a
0: sheet? It doesn't honestly make any logical sense no. because we're not murderers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. So... The next person is Beverly Salmons, and she was 23 years old. A little bit about Beverly. She was a musical therapist and a graduate student in music at Boston University.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah,
1: and she was found May 6, 1963, on 4 University Road in Cambridge. She was found stretched on her, on her bed. She was undressed, stabbed, and strangled. So, again, with the stabbing, like, there's clear escalation or him trying to, like, figure out what... What he wants. He, quote-unquote, likes. Yeah. Yeah. Her hands were tied behind her back, and two silk scarves and a nylon stocking were knotted around her neck, but were not the cause of death for her. None of the bones in her neck were fractured. So, that's how they kind of, like, ruled that out. Yeah. Yeah. She was stabbed 16 times, four times in the neck, and 12 in the chest. And I think, if I read, if I remember correctly, five of them were in one of her lungs. Oh, Which God. is just fucking awful. God. It was thought that because Beverly was a singer, the muscles in her neck were stronger and harder to strangle her.
0: That is actually terrifying. Yeah. Like, that was probably such a struggle for her. That makes me want to fucking throw up. <sighs> hang in there guys
1: (laughs) we told we gave the trigger warning yeah so the next victim was marie evelina aka evelyn corbin and she was 58 years old a little bit about evelyn she worked for sylvania which um is usually like car lights Oh. light bulbs i didn't know that yeah sylvania's like light bulbs i'm the daughter
0: of an electrician i was just gonna say did your dad tell you that <laughs> inside knowledge
1: <laughs> yeah just like in case you guys wanted to know um about her murder she was found september 8th 1963 on 224 lafayette street in salem and she had the day off of off from work She had breakfast with her neighbor, Flora Manchester, and then left to get ready for mass at St. Teresa's. The women had actually planned to meet for lunch later that day. At 1 o'clock, Flora Manchester went to Evelyn's apartment and there was no response, so she unlocked the door and found Evelyn draped over the bed with her right leg dangling toward the floor, and two stockings were around her neck. Another stocking was wrapped around her left ankle, and a fourth stocking was found on the bed, and she had also been raped.
0: It's just disgusting. Yeah. All right, the last two victims. Um, The the first one is Joanne Marie Graff, and she was 23 years old. And a little bit about Joanne, she was described by her neighbors as a quiet girl. Um, She was a Sunday school teacher and an artist. She seems so sweet. Yeah. About her murder. She was found on November 23rd, 1963 at an apartment on 54 Essex Street in Lawrence. The landlord showed up to collect rent and there was no answer. She hadn't shown up for dinner Saturday night with her friends or for services on Sunday at Redeemer Lutheran Church. So they were like something's up, mm-hmm. especially since she taught Sunday school. Yeah, for real though. Yeah, so her friends ended up calling the police, and the police found her body in her apartment. Which, to be honest, I'm happy it was the police and not her friends. Yeah,
1: thank God that. I mean, there really is no blessing when it comes to these victims. No, but that like it's a being blessing in itself. Like, personal. Yeah,
0: like ugh, just horrible. Yeah. She was nude from the waist down, her blouse was pushed up to her armpits, and two nylon stockings and a leotard were knotted around her neck. Oh my god. And the final victim, Mary Ann Sullivan, who was 19 years old. She actually graduated from Barnstable High School in 1962, and she was described as a happy-go-lucky person. Oh. She was found on January 4, 1964, at 44A Charles Street in Boston. Two women returned home from working at lines and saw her ro- roommate Mary in bed, decided not to wake her, and to let her sleep. They made dinner, and when they tried to wake her up, they realized that she had actually died. Oh. A motorcycle officer responded to screaming and found that Mary had a nylon stocking and two scarves around her neck.
1: I wonder if he was passing by and actually heard, heard them that. screaming, right. or if someone in the apartment called it in and yeah. were like... They were the first one that was there.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. She was found sitting up in her bed with her back against the headboard, and she was sexually assaulted by a broom handle. Oh, God. That makes me so fucking sick. This is disgusting. There was also... This part, like, is so personal and disgusting to me. There was a Happy New Year's card wedged between her feet. So this fucking killer was like oh happy new year like trying to throw it in her and her family's face see
1: between the bow and presenting it like a gift and then that this person like there has there had to have been a reason for doing
0: that i know
1: like did stuff happen to this person around holidays was like there has to be some kind of reasoning. There has to be behind that. It can't just be random. like even though like we can't understand that because we're not a fucking psychopath. Deep down in the dark depths of this person's brain, there has Something. to be a
0: reason for it. Yeah, to do these this to these women. So there were also seminal fluids left behind on a maroon blanket in Mary Sullivan's house. So just keep that in the back of your mind. That's gonna come into play later. And like I said, she was the final victim of the Boston Strangler.
1: Aww.
0: And this is a Wikipedia quote. The murders of Margaret Davis, 60 years old of Roxbury, and Cheryl Laird of 14 of Lawrence were originally attributed to the Boston Strangler, but were later found to be unrelated cases. So, that's where it comes um, into play where I said earlier, some articles say 13 and some say 11. Mm. These two were originally thought to be 13, but they ended up deciding that like it out. was only 11. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, there were some incidents in the area before the murders that are going to kind of lead up to the capture of potential suspects. Yeah a couple years before the murders began there were a series of sex offenses in the cambridge massachusetts area there was a man in his late 20s that went door to door as a talent scout looking for new models right there is a red fucking (laughs) flag i'm sorry what a scout for an agency is gonna not show up at your front door no and why would you let him in I mean, again, back then it was it wasn't, very it different. It wasn't a thing, yeah. But
0: it wasn't a thing to have
1: That's just like odd. Your door. That's just super odd. Maybe it wasn't that. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. So, if the woman was interested, he would say he needed to take her measurements. Okay, okay. Not sure. He would fondle the women as he took their measurements. <laughs> right then, I would be like, get the fuck out. Unless they were
0: like scared, obviously.
1: But that is so like. I don't understand how in that moment, either I wonder if they called the police right after he left or maybe some of them were like ashamed that they let this person or they were like, oh, take
0: their measurement. come and just let it go.
1: Yeah, I guess it depended on the victim, yeah. but like, how did he think this was a, a good idea? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, let me show up and take measurements and fondle these women as I'm taking their measurements. Disgusting. And think that women wouldn't talk about it. Right. So, several women actually did contact the police and he was referred to
0: as, quote, the measuring man. See, he should have been, like, one-incher or something. Like, right. that should have been his nickname. Right. The one-inch man. Yeah,
1: because he's clearly doing this because he's lacking inches somewhere else. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right not just his measuring <laughs>
1: yes <Yeah. laughs> i can cut that measuring tape <laughs> so march 1960 police caught a man breaking into a house he confessed to burglary and to being the measuring man oh. and this was without prompting he was just yep, like it was I'm me. the measuring man <laughs> it was me yeah and he was a fucking idiot his name was albert de, de salvo de salvo was sent sent i can't talk right now Di salvo was sentenced to 18 months in jail but he was released after 11 months for good behavior because that's a thing that happens <laughs> yeah i hate that <laughs> it's fucking stupid like your behavior wasn't good when you were molesting these women Why right, obviously it, wh- you're
0: not going to do it in prison yeah. yeah
1: come on so a quick background on albert de salvo because it's important <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of. Right. And, like, you know how much we hate doing this, but yeah. we have to.
1: It's a mini background, and it's just because it's stuff you need to know yeah. to, like, move on Just later to down it. the line. Yeah. He did have a rough upbringing, which that's the only pity I'll have for him. A lot of people do, though. Yeah. His father was an alcoholic that beat his wife, a.k.a. Um, his, mom. his mom. Yeah. Albert's mom. At one point, he actually knocked out all of his wife's teeth this is albert's mom and bent her fingers back until they broke in front of the fucking kids so i understand how this man could be fucked up yeah but not to the point where he murders people no i'm cring and fucking rapes people but yeah like that is fucking rough the dad would also engage in sexual acts with prostitutes in front of his wife and children. Ding, ding,
0: ding. Wonder where yeah. that came from.
1: I wonder if he also did some, like,
0: Busted strangulation shit in
1: front of them, too. Not to the point where he killed women, but, yeah. But that's yeah. where he maybe
0: got the idea.
1: Yeah. He was in and out of prison from an early age. This is Be- this is Albert, not now, not his dad. Yeah. He was in and out of prison from an early age for petty crime and violence, and he ended up marrying a woman, a woman named Ermgard Beck from Germany, and they had a family. And she gave birth to a handicapped child, which that fucking sickens me. That this man did the crimes he did and is the father. Of a handicapped child. Yeah. Like, you should have a bigger heart for having a child who's handicapped.
0: You see, suffer, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, like, currently not. That makes me sick. He was well-liked by colleagues and his boss, and he was known as a family man.
0: Which they all usually are, yeah. to be honest. Yeah,
1: except for the real fucking weird ones. Yeah. Where, <laughs> like, some of Where problems. you, like, look at them and you're like, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Something's off.
1: After his release, he began a new crime spree throughout Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. He dressed in green... Broke into over 400 homes. I don't know why he dressed in green. That's just like... 400 homes? Yeah. That's a up. Wait, I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. He broke into over 400 homes and he sexually assaulted over oh, 300
0: women. Oh, my God. Which... 400 homes is a lot. What was he, just going door to door? I in guess. Neighborhoods? But oh I have a new name God. for him. What?
1: The tiny-dicked leprechaun. What? Because he was
0: wearing all green.
1: Perfect, right? We're retiring Boston Strangler. <laughs> the Boston Strangler is the tiny dick leprechaun. Deal. Okay. Boston and New England, or Boston, why? What? Okay. Boston. <clears> hold on, I'm frazzled. <laughs> police, police in New England were searching for the green man the same time, and that was his name, yeah. the same time that the Boston homicide detectives were looking for the Boston Strangler. So this was going on at the same fucking time.
0: Yeah.
1: How? How did he have the energy?
0: Because <laughs> he was all ever gone. Right. Oh. I don't know. So now we're going to October of 1964. A woman who was actually one of the quote-unquote green man's victims went to the police and told them that there was a man posing as a detective that came to her house and sexually assaulted her. That's sickening. Yeah, so he disguised himself as a detective, said I need to come in, and then assaulted her. This man was identified as Albert DeSalvo. Once he was identified, his picture was posted in the newspaper and then many women began to come forward to identify him as well as the person that, you know, assaulted them. Mm -hmm. He was arrested on rape charges and sent to Bridgewater State Hospital for psychiatric observation. So while he was there, he actually became friends with a murderer named George Nassar. It is thought that George and Albert worked out a deal to split reward money if one of them confessed to being the Boston Strangler. I don't know how they like this conversation got started. Yeah. Albert DeSalvo told his attorney named F Lee Bailey that he was the Boston Strangler. DeSalvo was able able to describe each murder with really accurate details so his attorney ended up believing him. He knew that what the victims wore In details about like furniture in their apartment and how it was arranged.
1: Yeah, which like how the fuck would he know that if he didn't do it?
0: Right, unless other than George. George uh, Yeah, unless like George did it and told him what to say. Yeah, exactly, because they were obviously pals. Yeah, there was no physical evidence linking DeSalvo to the quote silk stocking murders, aka the Boston Strangler, at the beginning, early on. So we'll talk about that later. In an attempt to be absolutely sure, the police brought in one of his surviving victims named Gertrude Grun, who to identify him in prison. They wanted to observe Gertrude's reaction, so they actually brought two men to the lobby, Albert, Albert DeSalvo and George Nassar. She said that DeSalvo was not her attacker and that she felt that there was, quote, something upsetting, something frighteningly familiar about the man. And she was talking about Nassar. Hmm. So she was right off the bat like it's not Albert, but the other guy like he's giving me bad vibes. It might also just be that he's a shitty, shitty
1: person, right? And, and you're and like she was picking, picking up, up on, on it. <laughs> him
0: being like a fucking psychopath, right? DeSalvo's friends and family said they never thought that he was capable of the crimes he committed, uh, or crimes committed by the Boston Strangler, since there was no physical evidence again yet linking DeSalvo to the murders, and he did not match the witness descriptions, he was not actually tried in any of the Boston Strangler murders. So they were kind of just like, meh. Like,
1: oh, yeah. We can't really do anything. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they didn't have enough physical evidence
0: and stuff, but. He was still sent to prison for life for the rapes and sexual assaults of the quote-unquote green man cases. So, thank God! Thank God he, he actually was, small was caught, leprechaun. right? Yeah, thank like, God. Like if he wasn't, <laughs> thank God he would be walking free. In 1967, he went to Walpole Maximum Security State Prison to serve his sentence. November 19, 1973, DeSalvo told his doctor that he had something important to say about the Boston Strangler murders, but the night before they were supposed to meet, he was stabbed to death in his cell. <sighs> I have mixed feelings about that. Somebody knew something was going on or, like, that he... What do you think was going on? I mean, I'm not upset that he was stabbed to death. Neither, But I'm upset he was stabbed to death before they could hear what he had to say. I think he probably knew that something was coming in prison and he was like, I have to get this off my chest.
1: Or he was fucking with them. Yeah. Either that or, like, he really did have some... Important information, and someone else found out about it, and maybe it did involve someone else, and they had him killed
0: or something. I don't know. Yeah, inside of prison, right? Yeah, I don't
1: know. Or people just really didn't like him, because he was a fucking
0: rapist. And murderer. Yeah. Or alleged, sorry, murderer. Alleged, right. (laughs) So, it was found in what was described as, quote-unquote, mysterious circumstances, so, because this was a high-security prison, it was believed that there was a plan to kill him by both the prisoners and the employees of the prison. So, there was, like... The, the question is, why? Right. If that is the case. Somebody knew something, and I don't know. I don't was know it happened. a
1: cover-up? Was it because they just really didn't fucking like him? They thought
0: he was a piece of shit? Which could be. Yeah. Yeah. For nearly 50 years, no one has ever been charged as the Boston Strangler. That's sickening for the family members of all of the victims. And the victims. And the victims themselves. That makes me sick. Especially with what this monster
1: did to them and how they fucking left these women. Yeah. That makes me so sick. So, July 2013... Boston Police Department believed they had found DNA evidence linking Albert DeSalvo to Mary Sullivan, which again was his last victim from 1964. They took DNA from DeSalvo's nephew and said it was, quote, a near-certain match to DNA found on Mary Sullivan's body and blanket from her apartment. So remember, there was semen left on the blanket in her apartment. Wow,
0: that was in 2013. Yeah. that's crazy.
1: Props to the person who kept the
0: evidence like contained so well for so long right because dna wasn't available like dna testing wasn't available then obviously so just the thought of some person or even just the police being like we should hold on to this is amazing yeah
1: and whoever properly contained that should teach everyone how to 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 properly contain evidence props to you yeah so, they got Tim DeSalvo's DNA, which, again, was his uh, Albert DeSalvo's nephew, from a water bottle at a construction site.
0: Hell, yeah. Discarded
1: property. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yep. The DNA on her body and the blanket, quote, remains the only DNA evidence in the entire Boston Strangler investigation. Six samples that the Boston Police Crime Lab's lead forensic scientist, Robert Hayes, preserved as he waited for technology to advance to the point where nuclear DNA could be positively matched to a suspect thank you robert hayes we do have a name robert thank you robert hayes you are the true hero snaps for robert that was great and that was a quote from abc news robert hayes needs to be like the lead of teaching of teaching everything with us right and just making smart fucking decisions when it comes to cases and preserving evidence that was so
0: smart yeah
1: because who knows 20 years down the line from now what it's going to gonna be more. like? Right. Yeah. So the court then ordered an exhumation of DeSalvo's body from Puritan Lawn Cemetery in Peabody, Massachusetts. They took DNA from his femur and some teeth and determined that DeSalvo was the man that killed and raped Mary Sullivan. So her case was then closed 50 years later. I have the chills. Me too. Oh my
0: God. The family <sighs> actually finally got. Her case. Justice for Mary Sullivan. Thank God. Casey
1: Sherman was the nephew of Mary Sullivan that she never got to meet, and he said his mother, Diane, was 17 when Mary Sullivan was murdered. That's my worst nightmare. I'm gonna cry. That's literally my worst nightmare. He admits that he is grateful to know his aunt's true killer. He said, quote, for all these years, it was just me and her, meaning him and his mother, chasing the case it took 49 years for police to say they legitimately got him oh god so there are some other theories about the boston strangler as we mentioned the true identity still remains a mystery police have not legitimately identified Tosalvo as the boston strangler as of 2013 although he was definitely connected mary yeah. sullivan's killer wow Um, some speculate that DeSalvo is the Boston Strangler, which I kind of lean towards because... Yeah. Um, clearly there was similar things happening in Mary's case as to others, unless he was, like, a copycat. Right. But, or, I mean, another theory was that some argue that the murders are the work of several killers... And they so were all kind just of
0: going off of each other. Yeah. Ugh. So, who knows it's crazy but that nobody's going to know. I know, for sure, like 100%. I mean, they said that this was and like at least for Mary Sullivan's case it was 99.9%, right?
1: True. I just like wish that the other victims could have justice as well. You know. There was one other one though where there was semen at the scene. It was. But I wonder it if it was they on her
0: carpet. I wonder if they didn't preserve it. Probably not. Yeah. Probably, it was on her carpet, you know. Yeah. So that is the end of the Boston Strangler case. I just wanted to quickly talk about some books, movies, and modern culture that were made after the fact. There was a nineteen sixty four film called The Strangler, and it was inspired by the murders. There was a 1964 novel called No Way to Treat a Lady by William Goldman, and its 1968 film adaptation were inspired by theories surrounding the case. 1968, the film called The Boston Strangler. 1969, The Rolling Stones released, quote, Midnight Rambler on the album Let It Bleed. The song is a loose biography of Albert DeSalvo. The Boston Strangler is mentioned in the lyrics once. And that's a Wikipedia quote. That,
1: I like the Rolling Stones, but that kind of pisses me off that they made a song about it. Like,
0: why give him
1: Right. I mean, I need to, like, look at the lyrics and stuff. Maybe they're kind of honoring the victims in a way, but... I mean, if it's a loose biography of Albert DeSalvo, who the fuck cares about that? Yeah. That kind of pisses me off. I lost a little respect for the Rolling Stones. (laughs) Right.
0: 1980s, Philadelphia 76ers play Andrew player Andrew Tony was dubbed, quote, the Boston Strangler because of his outstanding performances against the Boston Celtics. Exa- an example of that is Game 7 of the 1982 Eastern Conference Finals. Sorry, but no, I would not want to be fucking nicknamed the Boston Strangler no, because of how I played. No, after a serial killer. That's disgusting.
1: That actually is. And that kind of shows how, like, media culture... covers the wrong stuff
0: yeah like why is that cool why yeah
1: why (laughs) is the killer amped up instead of the victims I don't know like remember like not remember
0: the victims names right not the fucking killer yeah 1995, there was a film called Coffee Copycat, which references the Boston Strangler. Good fucking movie! Is it? I've yeah. never seen it. Oh, my
1: God. My parents had it on VHS when I was younger, and I remember taking it when I was, like, 13 and oh watching it. But it's a really good movie. It Not stars sure. Sojourney Weaver. Okay. And she is incredible in it. I need to watch you it You have now. to watch
0: it. It's, it's really good. Okay, I'll watch it. 1996, The Boston Stranglers by Susan Kelly. Um, John E. Douglas, who was a former FBI special agent who was one of the first criminal profilers. Mindhunter. So cool. John Douglas. Talked about the Boston Stranglers in his book called The Cases That Haunt Us. is so fucking good. Yeah, and John
1: Douglas is incredible. They didn't
0: do the Boston Strangler, though, in that, in Mindhunter. At least
1: not in the... seasons there
0: there are
1: yeah well he um I had read that he actually I don't know if his opinion has changed since the article that I read or not I'm -hmm. not trying to put words into John Douglas's mouth yeah um but according to the article I read at that time he believed that DeSalvo was not the Boston Strangler
0: yeah wow
1: with like the type of how he profiled him, he said didn't quite
0: match up with the Boston wow. Strangler. Yeah. So just a little background on the Mine on Mindhunter, if you guys wanna watch it, really fucking good. It's on Netflix. It's basically um the start of the behavioral science unit in um, in the FBI mm-hmm. where they went and profiled and and interviewed serial killers at the time trying to find a common Commonalities between them, mm-hmm. you know, they, I think he, they, in the, in the show at least, they did, um, Ed Kemper, mm-hmm. they did, um, who else? They did a bunch of them, a bunch of serial killers at the time, and it was, it's just really interesting, the show is.
1: Yeah, and they have kind of, I like how they, They haven't really touched upon the whole thing yet, but they put a little bit of BTK in Mm -hmm. a little at a time in Mm -hmm. the beginning of the episodes till it's eventually going to evolve into that. BTK. uh, Yeah, and I wonder if they're then going to jump on his case. Yeah. So crazy. John Douglas is pretty fucking incredible. (laughs) I'm a big fan. Big fan,
0: big fan. Yeah, and
1: he was actually on the podcast... true crime garage oh really yeah oh. they had him as a guest because i love true crime what? garage they had him
0: as a guest that's really cool yeah um there was a 2007 2007- 7 <laughs> novel called the strangler by william lande um a 2008 film called the boston strangler the untold story 2010 television film called the front um, episode of the Str- of strangler on cbs american gothic second episode of tnt's Rizzoli in Isles. the episode was called boston strangler redo french redo american redux i looked it up <laughs> <laughs> i'm like is am i saying that right
1: i thought it was redo to like redo like a yeah. Like, French. Yeah. I'm assuming it is, but then when I looked it up, it said, American version, read <laughs> Good to like, know. That sounds really like, wrong. I like, the French version better.
0: Redu. do. Um, okay, almost done. <laughs> I'm pouring sweat here. <laughs> Me too, I'm dripping. Um, featured in Image Comics, The Roberts, episode of the British comedy series, Psychoville. Wow, that's a great series name. 13th episode of the second season of crossing jordan titled strangled a boston hardcore band is named the boston strangler i do not like that why are people doing that i do not like that and 2016 podcast called stranglers hmm wow a lot. A lot of... I think, honestly, part of the reason why things get so much attention, especially things like this, is because it's not truly solved. Like, it's not... I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think so, too. People are, like, fascinated by
0: the unknown. Yeah. I am. Yeah, same. And I I wouldn't want to be nicknamed after him.
1: No. Or have my band named after him. Gross. And especially, like, you're from Boston. That happened where you are.
0: Yeah, why would you want to, like... Why would
1: you like, feed off of that. I don't know. I don't know either. Don't come at us. <laughs> <laughs> or do.
0: Or do, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I just care. But,
1: yeah, so...
0: Not that was the Boston it
1: up. We need to check if... We need to double check with Laura if she was Mary Sullivan. Yeah. Or if she was Gertrude?
0: The one that Groon. escaped. Yeah, because yeah. she said... If I recall she said that she helped kind of catch him yeah so maybe she was but she also she, said she was like a last victim, victim so yeah. I wonder
1: if she passed or not
0: yeah we'll have to ask her yeah update <laughs> we'll have to ask yeah so
1: we hope you guys um continue listening to us yeah. and
0: giving us feedback yeah we love feedback
1: Make sure to leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting platform of choice if they offer it. (laughs) (laughs) They all should, but some don't. Some don't. Yeah, and uh, I posted a poll the other day. Oh, yeah. About mugs. mugs. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we've had some people asking if we're going to have them back or not, which we could
0: easily reorder them. So if there's a big enough demand, we definitely will. Yeah.
1: So give us feedback on that, yes. and
0: uh, hopefully our summer merch will be out soon. Yes. And we're I excited about think it. That's about it. Yes, we will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Have a good week.